Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Terranome Highway Podcast. I'm your host, Sid Davis. This is episode eight of the Terranome Highway Podcast, a horror movie podcast. Head on over to Instagram and follow me at Terranome Highway Podcast. And you can follow my regular account, which is at I Sid Davis. Send emails to Terranome Highway Podcast at gmail.com for any thoughts, questions, Anything you would like for me to review, kind of give my, my thoughts on or any recommendations that uh, you would like for me to watch. And hey, I will be more than happy to give a viewing and then give my thoughts on this show. So before I get into today's episode, uh, let me see. I was contemplating on watching The New Children of the Corn. I'm a bit skeptical. And <laughs> one night I was sitting there just thinking about it and I'm in the room with my grandmother and I'm like damn I don't know what to watch and she was like why don't you just go watch the trailer can't you kids up today watch the trailer on these streaming services or whatever I said oh yeah that's a good idea I go and watch the trailer and I said uh what the hell is this and it 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 looks children of the cornish I guess but this little girl 12-year-old girl, I think her name is Eden or Ellie. I think it's Eden. This is, I'm only reading from the description of what it said, the synopsis. And I watched the trailer, and this girl is supposed to be leading the charge of taking out the parents. So I'm guessing this is predating... I'm, I'm guessing this is predating the events of Malachi from the first one, the original... I don't know, but I'm thinking uh, of watching it. Like, I'm always on Amazon. I'm always buying stuff. And every now and again, I get promo credits. And that I can apply my promo digital credits or whatever to whatever movie I want to watch. It was only $0.98. Cents, and I said, no, I don't think I'm going to watch it just yet. Uh, <laughs> so... Then I was like, well, I could settle with Infinity Pool, which will be a movie that I talk about soon. And then Smile, I believe, yeah, Smile's on Amazon Prime for free. It's included with Prime. So I think I'm going to watch Smile again because I only watched it one time. And give my thoughts because that's also going to be a review. Barbarian's also going to be another movie I talk about. I know Jeepers Creepers is on Tubi for free. Um, I've seen Jeepers Creepers so many times to the point where I wouldn't really have to watch the movie, but I don't have any real, I don't have major issues with Jeepers Creepers, so I wouldn't mind watching that movie just to come on this podcast and talk about it. So, and I already said that was going to be a movie uh, that will get talked about on this podcast. Like it's, it's a horror movie podcast, like, holy shit. Of course I have to talk about Jeepers Creepers. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to watch the rest of the Phantasm franchise. Like I said, I watched the first one. That that ending of the first one, it didn't traumatize me, but it, it made me sad because 
I'm thinking uh, Mike, I believe is his name, the main character. I'm not going to try to give it away for those who haven't seen Phantasm. Just watch it. It's good. You know, somewhat creepy. Got a little bit of fantasy element going on. Pretty cool. Shout out to Cole Jackson for giving me that recommendation. Uh, I enjoyed it, but that that damn ending, dude, like, no. Anyway, (laughs) let's see. I watch Succession. I know it's not horror movie related, but Succession is great. Um, It has ended, and I'm kind of sad. The Flash has ended. I'm kind of happy and ecstatic that it's ended because this show has been suffering for damn near 10 years. I want to say since almost 10 years. So since like season four, that show has been suffering. And I'm just glad it was put out of its misery. It was, I I don't know what to say about The Flash, but I do like the actor Grant Gustin who played Barry Allen, a.k.a. The Flash, and I wish him the best. I can't wait to see what else he's in. I know there's a, a movie that Grant is in on Netflix, and it's about him and this police dog. I, I think he's trying to get this police dog into a canine unit or something like that. Uh, it looked really good. I've only watched a few promos for it. It looked decent. So Grant Gustin is one of those guys, I guess, when I see him and I'm like, oh, shit, that's that's the Flash. And I'm like, OK, let me run to whatever he's doing or check out anything else he has going on. I also received an email recently from my brother, James Third. James Third, for those who are aware, you might have heard him on the Social Introvert podcast. Probably not. But if you haven't, just go check out the Social Introvert and you'll probably catch an episode with James Third. It's way early on in the podcast when I first started it. But he sent me an email to the Terranome Highway email asking, he said, hey, are you going to talk about Dead Ringers? Dead Ringers is a psychological thriller by David Cronenberg from 1988 starring Jeremy Irons as Elliot. And it is a very weird movie. I'm, I watched this movie as a child and I know for a fact, for a given, because I only watched it maybe yeah that one or two times that I shouldn't have been watching it, but I did anyway. It is uh yeah it it it's a movie i will say that um he's a gynecologist if i'm not mistaken but it touches on the topic of narcissism misogyny and just that that taboo world of um i guess the masculine and feminine dichotomies of just i it's very hard to get into that's how hard this movie is for me to talk about I'll I'll have my thoughts together later. If you have not watched Dead Ringers from 1988, go check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed, but I think you'll be confused on what's going on. You know, the people of today with the whole woke thing, they'll have problems with this movie for sure. They'll sit here and say, oh, it's so problematic and blah, 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 and whatever. But today, in today's time, in 2023, we have a new series called Dead Ringers, based on the movie, starring Rachel Weiss from The Mummy. You, you're you going to recognize her as soon as you see her. If you've never heard of her, you will as soon as you see this woman's face. Trust me. Used to have a huge crush on this lady way back in the day when I first saw The Mummy. Just She's still gorgeous till this day. But this is a, a 
new version, a gender swapped version, and she plays Elliot. And I'm trying to figure out who the twin is. The name of the twin, I can't think of the name right now, but this version they share like lovers, they share finances, and it's a very crazy and odd dynamic. And it, it goes along the same themes of the original Dead Ringers, but with with an updated, I guess, twist to it. Uh, I'm going to talk about it on this show. I'm just going to watch the season in full, take my time, write down my notes, and come in here and talk about the series. And I might do a mashup of the movie and then the series. So, yeah, today's film is 1986's Deadly Friend, starring Christy Swanson, Matthew Laborto, Michael Sherritt, Richard Marcus, and Anne Ramsey, directed by Wes Craven. It is a science fiction horror fantasy, almost, I don't know. It, it gives me a bit of short circuit vibes when this movie started. There was this guy that was trying to break in to Paul in his mother's vehicle, and he gets he gets choked by the robot. This robot's name is BB, probably one of the coolest robots ever. And I immediately my head went to short circuit, and I'm like, oh shit! Like this is cool already. Uh, before I watched the movie, I did watch the trailer, and automatically I was like, oh, I stopped the trailer halfway to just go ahead and start the movie and watch it. So before I said, I've never watched this movie before. But when it got close to the ending of the film, I was sitting there saying, damn, this looks kind of familiar. The robot and everything else that transpired in in the events of this film. And I vaguely remember it, but I only watched it in bits and pieces. I never sat down and watched the whole thing. You know, just, I guess... The movie might have been playing on in the background and I kind of turned my head and looked at the TV and seen the yellow robot. But yeah, so I really like this movie. I really enjoyed it. But from what I'm observing on certain review sites, you know, your 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 main ones that people go to, not a lot of folks liked it. And they're picking and choosing some of their favorite moments, which which I sort of did the same thing. I was taken aback at certain moments in here and I can't wait to get started to talk about this movie because, man, for those who have not seen it before, I recommend this movie 10 out of 10. Just watch it. Just if you have nothing to do, wherever part of the country you're in and it's just rainy and you're not planning to go anywhere, just kick back and watch this movie. I don't think anyone would really be mad at this movie today. And I, from what I've seen in these reviews, I can kind of see why there's such a low score uh, so, without further ado, here's the trailer. Who is it? If you enjoy there? being really scared, if you're not afraid <gasps> of the unknown, if you found a friend uh-huh. in fear, then we have a friend for you. Hi. Samantha. The director who unleashed Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, now brings you his most frightening creation. Get out of my house! Hey, girl. She's killing people. 
Mom? <laughs> Sam? Sam. <laughs> You're so cute. Deadly friend. She can't live without you. Deadly Friend sits at a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 44% on Metacritic, and a 2.8 on Letterboxd. I don't really agree with these scores at all. But like I said, I'm going off of some of the research that I did here. This movie suffered from reshoots. So the low scores are coming from people who've watched the I guess the theatrical cut when it came out and they weren't pleased because there wasn't enough gore or they they didn't even have gore at all in the theatrical cut so in 2014 there was a petition signed to have the original cut with the gore and a lot of the scenes that were missing and the gore was put in there and then again people also complained that there was too much of the gore and just Random scenes of people with nosebleeds and why did this happen or this is this isn't cool. Like there's a scene in here where uh, Christy Swanson's character, Sam, goes back home after enjoying dinner with Paul and his mother. And it it's a choice. It is quite the choice being made. I was shocked when I saw this. So this movie starts off with Paul and his mom driving to their new home. They get out and check out the neighborhood. And this is following right after uh, the random stranger tried to break into the vehicle and got choked out by BB. BB is this yellow robot that uh, has been programmed by Paul and does whatever he wants. But he does follow Paul's commands. So just keep that in mind. It gets crazy. So they arrive at the new house and Paul goes to the van to get BB out. And this random kid comes up on a bike. He falls over when he takes the first sight of BB and just like he's just stunned. Um, he shakes BB's hand or tries to shake his hand, but BB pulls him up, like helping him up. BB's a really cool fucking robot. I I wish I had the knowledge. And I pro let me not down myself like that. I probably do. I would just love to create a robot. And, um, and to, you know, to program it the way that I want it and to not, I don't know, I have thoughts and I've seen Terminator too many times and I'm scared. So that's probably why I have not taken the initiative to do the shit. So yeah, whatever. Let's leave that alone. So they introduce themselves, the kid that falls off this bike and, you know, gets helped up by Paul and BB. His name is Tom and Tom and Paul become like the best of friends hanging out with each other. Tom is the paper boy of the neighborhood and he, you know, he makes his way and he continues his paper route. So not too long after this to get everything moved in, it's been a couple of days and out of nowhere, uh, BB goes up to the neighbor's house and this girl comes out and she says, Hey, who are you? You know, just trying to check out who BB is and who's controlling you. This is where Paul meets Sam. Sam's this really pretty girl played by Christy Swanson and you know they're they're talking for a little bit and getting to know each other and she's like well maybe I can come over sometime he was like yeah that would be great the door opens at her house the side door and her father 
looking very stern and mean. You can already tell off the rip. He just looks scary and intimidating and just a complete asshole, a drunk. You, you see it all in him within opening that door within the first few seconds. And he's letting her know he's like, get in his house. And she goes in the house and she said, well, maybe another time. And uh, yeah, so later on, she shows up to his house, to his front door. I forgot what she had. I believe there were cookies or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And they go upstairs and he's giving her a bit of a tour of the house. BB's with them. And then her father comes to the house. The mother answers the door. He's like, I'm looking for my daughter, Sam. And then they come running down. And he kind of like steps in slightly, reaches in and pulls her very aggressively. Now, mind you, early on before when Paul met Sam, he noticed instantly that there was this bruise on her forearm and she somewhat covered it up, you know, to keep him from looking and paying attention to it. So you already get the impression that she's being abused at home. I don't know what happened to the mother. I think she passed away, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, that happens. And then we go to the scene where Sam is laying in bed. And the father just creeps into the room. I don't know where the hell this was going. And it's, it's a nightmare sequence. A very odd one, too. Very weird. And this right here just makes the father just creepy. So I was like, yo, get him the fuck out of here. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if BB's going to take him out. But he needs to go. He is terrifying. And he basically says something about, uh, did you tell them what I did to him? Like, you're crazy just like your mom. And and she's telling him to please go away. She reaches for this glass vase or something like that and stabs him within his heart. And he looks and he starts to laugh maniacally, blood splurting out, and then boom, she wakes up. It was just a dream sequence. And the movie just moves along from there, man. It's not slow, but it's kind of, it's taking its time. So at this point, Paul, Tom, and Sam are pretty much like a trio, best of buds. They hang out. They're playing ball together in the scene. BB's out there trying to guard Sam. And um, of course, you know, Tom is like, hey, here, give the ball to BB so he can shoot. It was a pretty cool scene. Uh, I thought they were going to go into like a montage, but that right there was just like this one shot take of them playing basketball cool pretty cool to see so bb goes to shoot the ball but you know he's a robot and the ball goes out of the yard across the street to this house that's directly across from paul and this lady known as miss conway from across the street she's very mean she's one of those get off my lawn types and she has it gated and you find out later that she has this shit like armed, like <laughs> she has sirens and lights and shit. But the ball goes into the yard. I believe it's I believe it's Sam that tries to jump the fence. And he's like, no, get down. Paul's telling her, no, don't do it. She comes out and picks up the ball. And she says, my yard, my ball. And she throws it in the house and closes the door. Early on before that, 
whenever Paul and Tom first meet, she comes out when he throws the paper and she has a shotgun pointed directly at them. And Tom's like, don't worry. She's done this before. She won't shoot. And Paul is protecting BB while this part is happening. But back to the scene after she throws the ball in the house, they said, well, fuck it. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. They go back across the street to Paul's house. BB is standing right there in front of that gate looking. And he just just casually just stands there and looks like, yeah, he's going to do something about it. Something's going to happen, obviously. You already know because he's dead set on getting that ball back. And we see a scene in here where there's some bullies that, that come up and they try to jump Paul and Tom and BB handles that situation fairly quickly. Pretty cool scene. But it, it gave me a lot of short circuit vibes. Very campy, very somewhat lighthearted campy and you know a bit of suspense i wouldn't say exactly horror just yet so um yeah bb is staring on that same sidewalk you know at, at the gate like i'm getting that ball back and then b and paul says bb get back here let's go and he goes so there's a scene in here whenever uh sam just shows up randomly with a nosebleed, Paul's mom answers the door and his mother is asking her what happened. She's like, oh, no, I just slipped and fell. You know, I tripped and she calls bullshit and she's like, no, she's like, tell me she is already established. Hey, her father's abusing her and her mother, Paul's mother, sorry, Paul's mother calls it out. And she's like, no, don't call the police. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And Sam says, which was a crazy line, but it made sense. I may always want to run a truck over his face, but he's still my father. And the scene sort of just ends there. So, so far, I don't really have any issues with this movie, man. It's just moving along. You know, the pacing's a little weird. It's kind of jarring. I'm like, okay, so when are we going to get to the, you know, the crazy shit? It gets to the scene where it's Halloween night, and I guess Paul Tom and Sam and BB decide to plot to get the ball from Miss Conway's house. And so it's like, well, he can get the combination open. BB gets the combination lock open and they go through, they get close to the door and these alarms go off and they go hiding behind the bush. BB's right there on the sidewalk. So BB gets left right there in the open and Miss Conway comes out with the shotgun, shoots, and kills BB. It kind of pissed me off, too, because I really like that robot. I just, I thought that robot was so fucking cool. And after a while, you know, BB's gone. Sam and Paul grow a little closer. And it gets to the scene where she's having dinner with Paul and um, his mom. He walks her outside to her house. He kisses her, tells her goodnight. She goes in the house. You know, she's she grabs books. The books are on this kitchen chair under the table. And so she quietly grabs those as if, you know, she's just coming back from studying. But really, she was over there having dinner, you know, just trying to get the hell away from her father. And she notices that the father is not laying down on that couch. Normally, you see in a scene before this that he, he was getting drunk and this is a frequent thing for him. He's not on that couch. She goes upstairs. She's calling for him. Daddy, where are you? 
Are you there? She gets to the top of the stairs. Slowly. Daddy, are you in my room? And her back is turned towards the other room. He comes out and grabs her from behind and then turns her around. And he said, what the hell were you doing over there? And she said, I said we were studying. Backhands her. And she falls down the steps, rolling down the steps and hits her head, hits the top of her head. uh, I believe against the wall at the bottom of the stairs, something. I forgot what it was exactly. Ambulance comes to get her, put her on the gurney, put her in the ambulance. The neighborhood comes running out, Paul and his mom included. And you hear the father say, damn it, I told her to not leave her stuff lying around. She tripped and fell and hit her head. And it's like, oh, yeah, he needs to fucking go. Like, he needs to be taken out quick. Like, somebody get him. And, of course, we get to the hospital and we're told that she's brain dead and there's no bringing her back and paul uh paul is i wouldn't say he's the first simp but the choices made beyond this point is like astounding i'm shocked that with his knowledge he just decides to do this this is incredible i mean i'll give him credit for pulling it off but then again it's like this kid is crazy so uh, Paul and Tom, well, Paul mainly, he, he drags Tom into this. Paul, um, talks Tom into going to the hospital and do surgery on her brain. There's a scene in here where he's actually operating on her brain and he hits a nerve that makes the, the body react in a way. And so his grand idea is to sneak into the hospital late at night before they pull the plug, take BB's computer chip brain and put it inside of Sam's head, inside her brain, to get her to come back. And his theory is, well, it's going to recognize that, it, you know, BB the robot, and then it's going to fuse with <clears throat> her old memories, and then she's going to return to her old self. So he's he's playing with the universe right now (laughs) so he drags tom into this and tom's like are you crazy tom decides to go uh paul and tom are having dinner with um the mom paul drugs his mother like really drugs his mother and he's waiting they have to be at the hospital by 10 but then the mom lets him know oh no they decide to pull the plug at nine o'clock and when he looked at his watch, it said 831. So she falls out not too long after that. They steal the van. Paul can't drive for shit. They get there and they pull the power. And they didn't get to her in time because during the events on his way of getting up the elevator to the room, they pull the plug maybe like four minutes, maybe four or five minutes early. So he's supposed to be doing the operation at the hospital. And I hope y'all are bearing with me on this. So (laughs) he gets to the room finally. He can't do the operation like he wants to do it. He ends up taking Sam's body, putting it in the van, and then driving back uh, to the house and putting her in the tool shed. And they they get the chip in and everything. They they the the operation is successful gets taken back to the tool shed and slowly over time um yeah 
the, it gets crazy after this. He hits the remote button that was used to maybe shut on and shut off BB. He hits the button. Her eyes open, just buck wide open. And from there, he's trying to get her to like sit up properly and walk. And sometimes she wanders off by herself. And, and he's finding roundabout ways to keep her from being seen. But this, the, you know, the whole plan just gets fucked up because... The first person she takes revenge on is, of course, her father. There's a scene with those two together in the tool shed. The father comes out and she has like this anger on her face like she recognizes. And I got to give Christy Swanson credit for her robotic movements like she's copying, you know, she BB's characteristics. So her hands and everything. I know a lot of people might think it's weird, but if you watch how BB moves, and then after that, beyond that, when you watch her moves, it's like, holy shit, like, she really did pull it off. She did a great job as this dead or robotic version of herself or whatever. Awesome. And she takes revenge on him. She goes down to the basement, sets the furnace on, um, and and kills him quickly. Like, he was really trying his all. Like, he tried to take a shovel. She took the shovel, grabbed it, pulled it from him, and then threw it at him like a damn spear and just stuck to the wall. And I think he tried to, like, swing at her. She grabbed his hand, broke his damn hand, bend it backwards, um, lifted him up in the air, snapped his neck. And Paul finds this, and she's looking kind of like she like she knows who he is. Or whatever, kind of like the somber look, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. He takes Sam's father and throws him inside the furnace, burning his body, throwing the coals inside. So he's he's gone full, he's gone crazy. Like this, he, I don't fucking know. I'm sitting here like, oh shit, he's really going for it. Like, I'm thinking he would have called the cops or something, but no, Paul is 100% in on this thing. And slowly but surely, the guilt starts to set in with Tom. Tom is freaking the fuck out because he can't keep a secret. And <laughs> I'll tell you what happens later with that. It's, it's interesting. So Miss Conway notices Sam across the street. Sam opens the the curtains at her house, and then Miss Conway can see her. She freaks out. She calls the police, and they don't believe her, obviously. And so she goes down there and she starts to open the combination lock at Miss Conway's gate. Kind of like how BB uh, unlocked the combination of the lock the first go around. It, it was really cool to see. So she looks out the window. The gate door is open. Miss Conway grabs the shotgun. And you hear like this slow motion of a thud. And it's the basketball being thrown out of a room. You don't know who threw it. Obviously, it's Sam. The ball comes out, and Miss Conway's like, oh, shit. But all of a sudden, she appears out of nowhere. This is this is the scene right here where I laughed, and I rewinded several fucking times. This, this scene did it for me. This is what made me fall in love with the movie. I'm like, okay, I'm in. I already liked the movie, but this scene, I automatically just fell head over heels for. So <laughs> she throws her. And uh, Sam picks up the basketball and Miss Conway is pointing the gun at her, I 
if I'm not mistaken. Sam takes the ball, cocks it back with full force, and just throws it at her. And then uh, Miss Conway's head exploded on impact with the ball hitting her. And I thought it was the greatest shit ever. I said, no fucking way. <laughs> no way this shit just happened. What? I rewinded it a few times, man. And I got a kick out of it. That was the scene that made me fall in love with this movie. As cartoonish and crazy as it is, that's what did it for me, man. I, I don't know. I 10 out of 10. I, this is not the rating for the movie, obviously. But, wow. So the police and the neighborhood start to suspect something funny is going on since not too long after Sam's father died, Ms. Conway dies and they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And Tom, Tom cannot take it anymore. He can't take it. He calls Paul and he's like, Hey, I'm going to tell he's, like, I'm, I'm going to tell if you don't do anything about it. And he said, just come on over. Let's talk about it. Please, let's just talk about it. Give me 30 minutes. Tom comes over and Paul takes him up to the attic to introduce him to to the new version, excuse me, of Sam. And he freaks the fuck out the closer she gets. He runs downstairs. He said, no, fuck that. I'm going to go tell. Uh, they get into a little scuffle. Paul punches Tom. Tom has a nosebleed. The mom walks in all of a sudden. He said, your son is crazy. He's a psycho. You have a psycho for a son. I'm going to go tell. He said, and you know what I'm talking about. Just insinuating. Like, he's not saying shit in front of his mother, which is, I find it so funny. You would think he would say something to Paul's mother. And he gets outside with his bike. And Paul and his mom run outside and everything. Sam dives through the window like... Aquaman or some shit and then tackles him from the second story like beating Tom up and <laughs> just beating just beating his ass the mom tries to stop it she gets thrown a little bit and Paul runs up to her and he says stop Sam stop and slaps her and she looks like stunned like what the hell what did you just do to me chokes him temporarily and she looks at him for a few seconds and lets go and she takes off running I believe she looked at him and it was like flashes of red just a couple of flashes and then she says Paul puts him down and she takes off running he's running after her like this entire time those this is like the final climax of the movie he's running after her, he's trying to catch up with her She's hopping, skipping, and jumping like Bionic Woman. It's kind of cool to see. And the police get in on this. He runs into the bully again. Paul punches the bully, which I was kind of shocked about. He gets beat up a little bit. Sam comes from around the corner because she knows that he's in danger. And uh, throws the bully towards a cop car. Like She threw him like 30 feet or something like that. He lands on a cop car. And she takes off running again. Paul continues to run after her. And <laughs> and then it gets to, I believe it ends at the tool shed where she's cornered. And he's trying to get her to stop. And she's kind of communicating with him. Like she recognizes him. So this is 
the computer chip's brain finally fusing with Sam. And she's saying, Paul, she's talking. She She's talking now. And I forgot to mention early on, there's a scene in here, probably one of my favorite scenes too, where she comes down from the attic. She's in a room by herself. Paul's not there. The mom's downstairs. And she sees this picture of herself, BB, and Paul together. And they're smiling. And she gets angry. <clears throat> Later on, Paul gets to the house. And he goes upstairs. And Sam is just sitting there, like, with tears coming down her face. He's like, what's wrong? What's going on? Why are you crying? So we see a bit of a turn with her coming back to herself somewhat. I don't know. Um, and then she slowly shows him the picture. I wish that I wish that went further because nothing really came from that. He just leaves the room and she's just sitting there crying about it. But back to the climax. And he's sitting there trying to keep the cops from shooting her. And one of the other cops comes and he's like holding Paul down and she's just saying, Paul, like Paul, like basically sensing that he might be in danger because there's a gun pointed at her. And then you have a cop that's kind of like holding him down and she taps into her robotic self and she just runs towards the police officer. As soon as he gets up to her, he shoots her and she dies and you know it's funny because when all of this transpired after they got the body to the tool shed paul is telling tom he was like yeah thank you man you you owed me one man he's like he said is that is that done he's like is that favor done like he was just irritated he was done with it all and he said yeah he said thank you tom hops on that bike and we don't see him for a while in this movie I thought that was fucking hilarious. And then, of course, that phone call comes. He's like, I can't take it. I'm going to tell. <laughs> Tom disappeared for a part of this movie, which I thought was hilarious. And I'm like, I think he's going to show back up. But the look on his face, you could tell by after that happened. And he says, thanks, Tom. He hopped on his bike and just said, fuck it. It took off. So the ending, the very ending, uh, man. I'm surprised that Paul did not receive any jail time for this. And this is crazy. You would think like something would happen to him, but her body's at the morgue. Her body gets covered up and the staff uh, shut off the lights. They're leaving. Paul, 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 Paul sneaks into the morgue. So I'm thinking he's trying to take another stab at going to get her out and bring her back. I, this is how infatuated he is with her. This is why I said he's a bit of a simp. I, I, I don't know. Look, Christy Swanson's gorgeous. This is Buffy. The original Buffy, the vampire slayer. I get it. But, dude, come on. It's not that deep. And even back then, she, like in this movie, she's she's very pretty. But it's, it's not that deep, Paul. Like, I promise you. So he sneaks into the morgue. And he pulls her body out. I believe her eyes pop open. Her hands grab his neck. And she says, um, you, you, you say, BB, BB, or something like that. And she says, Paul, come with me. And the camera pans out to the outside of that room. 
and you hear a neck snap, similar to the neck snap sound of when she killed her father. In credits. So Paul dies at the end. Uh, it, I, I don't mind it. I'm not mad at the ending, but I was... I was just sitting there confused. I'm like, this kid did not learn his freaking lesson. You're you're playing with the universe for one. So let's just get that out the way. You're infatuated with this girl out of how many other girls are out there that are probably hotter than her. And maybe he was just taken aback by her beauty. There's early on in the movie, there was a scene where she goes to his house and she walks in and she's like, wow, this looks like the computer lab. And his response is, he's like, yeah, he's like, I never heard a girl in my room before, like in front of her out loud. So the dude is a bit of a dweeb, but Paul did not learn his lesson. But yeah, I really did like this movie. I enjoyed it. I was happy because I was sitting here browsing, trying to figure out what movie to watch and I was sitting there to myself, I'm like, man, I don't want to pick something and then be mad after watching it because it was just terrible. And this one, I'm, I'm just sitting here, I go in there, I annoy my grandmother, and she's like, just go out in the living room and watch something, man. Like, <laughs> She's like, matter of fact, just watch the trailer. How about that? I know you could probably watch the trailer. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. And I don't know why that I didn't think of that before. But yeah, Deadly Friend. I, I like it. I like it. I give it, to me, I give it a 7 out of 10. I don't, this is not a terrible movie, but knowing the history, I can see why people give it the low score. This is a film that suffered from reshoots. It failed at the box office. And, yeah, but I I did like it. And it's a, it's a mashup between romance and uh, horror, science fiction, suspense and yeah I, I is one of Wes Craven's early works and this is one of the reasons why he's one of my favorite directors he's he's one of those directors a lot of people only know about A Nightmare on Elm Street I've yet to hear anyone really talk about Deadly Blessing or this movie or anything else he's done I know a lot of people kind of joke about his early days around this time he was I believe he was like a porn director and his his director's name when he was doing porn was Abe Snake that's a whole running joke among people who know the history of Wes Craven and of course you know Scream is another franchise that people are like really familiar with and what they only associate with Wes Craven and yeah I just decided to it's like, you know what, I want to go and check out something that I've never seen before from him and I had no clue about. And yeah, here we are. Uh, I really did like this movie. This was really cool. And back to when I said I vaguely remember watching this, like bits and pieces, the ending scene at the morgue, whenever her hands, like the robotic face comes out of the skin and the robotic arms come out of the skin and everything and it chokes Paul. That I do remember seeing that when I was really young and I just didn't know what the hell it was. I'm like, that looks weird. I'm like, ew. And I, I kind of like ran off somewhere in the house. I don't know because it creeped me out. So, yeah, that was 
why I said I'm like, yeah, i kind of seen this movie before, but not the whole entire thing. So that wraps this episode up for me. Thank you for listening to episode eight of Teradome Highway. Next week's episode is My Soul to Take. This is episode nine that you'll be listening to next week. Um, I watched this on and off in bits and pieces. Um, I know it's not well received by people. I'm gonna watch it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see what the fuss is all about with my soul to take and you'll you'll hear about it. In episode ten, the final episode of this season is just talking about Wes Craven overall, just what I think about his filmography as a whole. And yeah, thank you for listening. And I see you guys next week. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Peace.